Proverbs 19, we're starting in at verse number 13 tonight. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse number 13. And thank you for being here on a Wednesday night. So important, I think, in the middle of the week uh, to get a good shot in the arm spiritually. And I'm thrilled about that. And um, that's a great thing to add in 2024. Amen. A midweek service. Father, bless the study of the Word of God to our hearts and guide me, my, my, my thoughts, my words. And fill me with your spirit. Fill these that hear with your spirit. You be our divine teacher tonight, please. In Christ's name, amen. Now we're going to find several verses. We might not get to them all here in tonight's study. We're going to find several verses that deal with the home and deal with family, deal with children, deal with parenting and husband and wife relationships. So I'm excited about this aspect of it. Look at verse number 19. The Bible said a foolish son is uh, the calamity. Calamity means a cause of misery means ruin a foolish son is the the ruin the cause of ruin of his father and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping you know <clears throat> I, I think I can say this without being personally disrespectful but we uh there's 13 pieces of property here on this side that we've purchased over the years, one piece at a time. One of those pieces is one of our uh, staff housing now. And uh, the house was uh, going to go back. Uh, it was going to go back to the, to the bank. Good couple lived there. And, um, and the, the, the garage down there behind the house that had the man's name, uh, so-and-so's rod shop, and he liked to work on hot rods, you know. And that was their home place, and, and the house had been paid for. And then they had a son who brought calamity to the family, and the house was mortgaged, paid and remortgaged. And uh, mom and dad had footed so many bills for their adult son, bailing him out of jail, getting him out of trouble. They finally... We're losing their home. And we learned about that and, we, and approached them, and we actually bought the home from them. They didn't lose the home. The church bought the home. It was a good price, but it was a fair price. And, uh, but that was sad to me. I've, I've always heard about that. Um, here's parents, worked hard, paid off their home, and one adult son brought calamity the young people here it is simple statement don't bring misery to your family don't bring misery to your family don't do that be wiser than that there's I know this is extremely sensitive but there's some parents in here first of all Mrs. Shook and I we weep for you won't you know that we really do and you have, some of you have adult children who've brought calamity to your home and to your family and ruin. And not financial ruin, ruin comes a lot of it. But I know your heart aches. And I understand that. And, um, you know, some of the finest men I've ever known or read about had sons and daughters who brought undue misery upon the family. You know, Billy Sunday fought the liquor traffic like nobody's business. Billy Sunday, he, in one campaign, one campaign. By the way, 
they, they, uh, he was offered a lot of money to, to, to keep on playing baseball. Professional baseball player. Got was drunk with all his buddies. and got saved through the rescue mission up in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Pacific Garden Mission. But anyway, they offered a lot of money to play baseball. He turned it down and said, God's called me to preach now. And he left all that behind. And then they came and, and, and offered him more money, more money. And one time they offered him a million dollars to be in movies, which that'd be, that'd be somewhere around 34, 35, maybe $40 million now to be in movies. He said, no, I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen to this, in one campaign in New York City, in one campaign in New York City, uh, it was a 10-week campaign. He saw 90,000 people hit the sawdust trail. 90,000 people in a 10-week period in a giant crusade in New York City. That's 9,000 a week getting saved. And you know what? He, um, he said, we'll take an offering. Or the, he didn't ask for an offering. The churches that, that came together to help put that meeting together took an offering up. Now, this is, this is, again, this is, forgive the, my time frame, but, uh, you know, 75 years ago plus, 7,500 years ago. Anyway, they took up over $3 million in one offering they gave it to him. You know what he did? He gave it all away. <laughs> gave to Salvation Army, gave to Pacific Garden Mission, different places. And... Uh, Young people, whatever the world dangles in front of you, you know, if it takes you away from Christ, if it gets you out of church, listen, I, listen, man, I want to say this a little sensitive. There, there's a lot of respectable things you can do with your life, but why don't you choose something respectful that doesn't take you out of church? Can't you do both? Can't you do both? And wouldn't that be better for your marriage and better for your home, better for your kids? Just a suggestion. To me, it makes sense. Amen? That's not bashing somebody. There's, there's things that have to be done. We understand this. I understand this. It doesn't make me against it. But you know, you're here to whom much is given, much should be required. Amen? Yeah. Uh, a foolish son is the calamity of his father. Now, in the contentions of a wife, anybody that, uh, anybody like me, I, I don't know, there's probably something wrong with this. <laughs> but a, 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 a ticking clock could just, just almost drive you insane. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Okay, a few people. Uh, I appreciate sure there's therapy for us. But anyway, I remember this as a kid. My mother is from California, and we, we uh, her parents uh, go up there in Merced, and they had a home place there on 40 acres. And it wasn't much. Now go back and look at the pictures now. Uh, you know, everything seemed big when you're a kid. But anyway, but it was a great place to romp. There was an old abandoned silver mine uh, on the property in a man-made pond. And I remember this as a little kid. I had to be probably six years old or something like that. I'm sleeping on a pallet in the living room floor, and it's dark. And I can't sleep because... And I get up, step over a couple of my siblings, and feel my way over to the mantle. And, I, and, there's, and it's a clock, and it's ticking. And I pick it up, and just in picking it up, the pendulum stopped. I'm like... I set it back down and went back to sleep. Amen. And uh, and uh, anybody else have problems like that? <laughs> like I do. Uh, I, uh, now, what does the Bible say? The contentions of a woman, of a wife, are a continual dropping. The contentions of a wife. 
Now, the Bible said only by pride cometh contention. Always, always something to fuss about, always something to make a deal about. And the Bible says it's like that drip, 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 It just won't go away. That's Bible right there, isn't it? I want you to notice something. The Bible puts in this verse, and I'm not giving you a doctrine. This is just an observation. God puts the foolish, calamitous son and the contentious wife in the same verse. Isn't that interesting? And you know, a lot of times they're under the same roof, aren't they? The wife that disputes her husband's authority and takes sides with the kids in opposition to dad's efforts to guide the home, no good ever comes of that. No good ever comes of that. Mama, listen, you don't have any right to expect those kids to follow you if you don't follow your husband. That's Bible. That's Romans chapter 13. Don't be careful. Be careful with all your fussing and fighting about what dad wants that you're not training one of your kids to be a fool. Get behind him. Get behind him. By the way, and getting behind him isn't telling him what to do. It's getting behind him. Do you know, it's so sad to me. It's so sad to me that, that I don't know, I, I, I'll be care, careful what adjectives are, I use, but a lot of men, most men, many men in society have just abdicated their responsibility in the home, to lead the home, to biblically lead the home. The husband's the head of the wife. Is Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians 5, God didn't erase it yet. It's still in there if you, if you care to read it. And, and, and it's God, it's the husband, it's the wife, and, and it's the kids. And many a man it got tired of the dripping and got tired of the tick, tick, ticking, got in the middle of the night and, and found his way over to the mantle, and he just made the cock calm down so he could be at peace. And in so doing, he abdicated his spot in his home. And the wife will never be happy because God didn't make you to be the boss, ma'am. And the husband forever will be mousy. And we have a real problem with masculine girls and effeminate boys in this society. A real issue. Homosexuality is exploding. And now they're in the school systems and they're in the entertainment systems and they're indoctrinating our children. And kids, it's wicked, it's vile, it's unhealthy, it's not normal, and it's against God. And so, Dad, listen... And Bob, I'll say this. If you want a husband, say, I want my husband to lead. If you tell him to lead, he's not, whatever he does, he's not leading. He's following your lead. So quit telling him what to do. Don't tell him what to do because let him lead. He said, well, how, how, how do I get him to lead? You don't get him to lead. You follow. Follow. Yeah, sometimes I say, pray for my husband. He'll be the leader. Ma'am, let me make a suggestion. Stop praying that. Because it's that very mindset that is discouraging the thing your heart's desire. There's nothing wrong desiring it. It's God's plan. It's the way it ought to be. But as long as you in your mind think that your spiritual and your spirituality is, is somehow you're going to pray and get God's power and he's finally going to wake up and see the light and be the spiritual. How about, how about get behind him? Ma'am, let me say this. <laughs> Some of you won't like what I'm getting ready to say. I'm not saying you shouldn't love the word of God and shouldn't be a woman of the word. But you read carefully what the Bible said in 1 Corinthians 14. And it says you should go home and ask your husband questions, Bible questions. Some of you don't because you don't see your husband as spiritual. I told you you wouldn't like it. 
Go home. Do what the Bible says. Go home and ask him questions. Well, so he probably won't know the answer. Well, maybe he'll dig. Or maybe you'll be condescending. I know you didn't know the answer. You're not spiritual. You're not, if that's your attitude, you're not spiritual. So don't pray for your husband to be spiritual. You're not spiritual. Spirituality is taking your role. Listen, if two people up here and, have, and, and we have a play and, and one, one forgets their lines and the other says, you forgot your lines. You know, you just made it worse. You know? I tell, I tell wedding parties, you know, I, I, when I lead a wedding, I say, listen, if you make a mistake, don't, don't, don't advertise it. You're supposed to be on the second step. You know, you know, you know. Most people are not going to know, right? So don't, don't dramatize mistakes. <laughs> And, and, and if there's, a, there's no such as a perfect marriage, a marriage is a struggle. So what should you You play your role even better. You know what? Let me tell you something. My, my kids think I'm a hero. You know why? Because I am. <laughs> uh, but your mama made him feel that way. And I know, I know, I know situations are not ideal, but young people... Go ahead and go for the ideal. Go for the ideal and find a, find a young man, ladies, that, that, uh, that works hard. And you young men work hard and pay your own way and take care of your family. And I know sometimes you, it's harder, I guess, today, I suppose. You have to have more income. I, I get that. But, you know, a lot of people, maybe we could live with less where mama could be home and rear those kids. That's still the Bible plan. That is still God's plan. Keepers at home. That's what the Bible said. Keep the home, guard the home, protect the home. You know, it's been probably a decade since I read this statistic. 70% of teenage pregnancies take place in the middle of the afternoon. You say, what is, what is that from? Getting home after school, mom and dad's not there. Now again, I know, listen, I'm not, I, I understand you can't fix your situation immediately. I understand that. I, I, I get that. But I'm, is, is, are we all okay? But maybe we ought to teach God's ideal to our kids. Maybe they could do better than we've done. Is that not a great idea? I think it is. I think it is. It's what we ought to want. And so, Dad, now listen, Dad. Listen, I just, I'm teeing this up for you. Okay, all you dads here. You like that, what I said a minute ago. Okay. I just teed it up for you. Now hit the ball, Dad. Hit the ball, Dad. Pray with your family. Pray with your wife. She won't know what to do. She'll, she'll go to bed weeping. Pray with her. Pray with her. You know, we ought to love each other. I'll tell you something I pray for. This is a little personal, but I'll tell you something I pray for. I pray for God to, to bless the love of our relationship. Physically, emotionally, spiritually. And something I pray for specifically about my home, my family, my marriage. You know, I mean, anybody can connect physically. I mean, you know, whatever. 50 bucks and probably two or three miles you could, you know what I'm saying. Right. That's not too hard in this wicked society. Anybody can do that. But to connect emotionally... Wow. There's a lot of people live under the same roof and connect physically, but don't connect emotionally. And I think probably a very small percentage 
of Christian homes connect on a spiritual level. And I'll tell you something. Um, Dad, go for it. Hey, dads, go for it. Amen? Go for it. Get your Bible down. Learn something. Learn something. You don't have to have a, a, a doctorate in theology. Read a Bible verse to your family. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We ought to do this, fellas. Verse 14. House and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now, the word prudent there is uh, it's like the word wise and careful together. Wise, careful. Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now, these, again, these kind of go together. So we're talking about money is the context. An inheritance, maybe you might call that a windfall, right? And a prudent wife, okay? So if you are blessed with an inheritance sometime, somewhere, some way in your life, you have an inheritance, a windfall, then a, then a prudent wife, a careful wife is going to come in really handy because a careless wife, and it, you know, it could disappear real quick. Like, And so I, I think what he's saying, uh, we'll say it this way, uh, be a careful wife. Young girls, write that down. Be a careful wife. Be a careful wife. And the context immediate here, I think, is be careful with money. Be careful with money. Uh, my dad challenged me to this end, and, and I just had the mindset, at, and uh, I'm just so thankful for so many things that my mom and dad taught me, and I never really struggled with and never thought about it. But he told me that. He said, son, he said, why don't you plan your life where your wife doesn't ever have to work? He said, now, there may be times where she want to for some reason, and, uh, but just you build your life where she doesn't have to. And he said, it'll take a lot of pressure off your family and off your home. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And we were dating. We talked about that. I said, this is what we're going to do. Now, I, I didn't know how hard it was, but anyway, I said, we're going to do it. And by God's grace, that's what we've been able to do. And, um, and, um, and there's been some times where she worked. Right after Abigail died, she worked for about six months. And, and, uh, but we didn't, uh, she, uh, she didn't spend all that money on herself. Uh, but, uh, but we didn't have to. That was just that was my dad's advice. I took that advice. And so, uh, anyway, we, we used an envelope system that he taught us and, you know, put this much money in here for your haircut, this much money in for your rent, this much money for this, so forth like that every week when you get paid. And then uh, if, you, if you need a haircut, you go to the haircut envelope. If, the, if there's no money in it, you don't get a haircut. <laughs> and uh, and you, you don't fuss over money as much and so forth like that. And, uh, and so, we, 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 a Friday night date, we've, we've, we've guarded that pretty closely all these years. And um, that was advice from my pastor, and I followed that too. It's not always been Mondays, you know, schedule changes and so forth like that. But anyway, uh, Monday night, whatever night it was, but it was date night. And uh, so we're going to go up and we're going to get a bite to eat together. And she said, before we go get a bite to eat, she said, can we go over here to the furniture place? I said, well, we'll go to the furniture place for her. She said, let's look at furniture. I said, okay, we can just look. And uh, we went up to that furniture. She said, you know, we need a new bed. I said, yeah, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? We need a big new bedroom. And I think the bedroom suit. Just a bed, just a bed. And, uh, and the illustration gets better if I you don't verify my facts. But anyway, uh, anyway, <clears throat> we, we <clears throat> excuse me, uh, my voice is changing. Uh, we, we need a bed. And, uh, and, uh, and she, uh, she said, let's go over to the furniture. And she's looking at bed. She said, you like this? And I said, yeah. And she pulled out a lot of cash. I said, what would you do, rob a bank? 
She says, no, I've been putting a little bit back every week, saving all my groceries and uh, figuring out how to spend my money wisely, putting it back, putting it back. And she paid cash for a brand new piece of furniture. Yeah. And uh, I said, hallelujah, amen. And I upped her grocery money after that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, uh, girls, be careful with money. Girls, don't expect a man to give you what your dad was able to give you. Don't do that. When, when you get married, young ladies, listen. Don't, don't expect him to be able to do what your dad did. Your dad's established. I can do at age 53 things that I couldn't do when I was 23. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Um, but girls, uh, you, you be careful with money. Do you know... Here's here this. I think this verse implies that this couple uh, is uh, receives a windfall, and this is a blessed man, and he got something from the Lord. He got a careful wife. He got a prudent wife. Fellas, financially, you'll be better off if she gets no inheritance or you get no inheritance, but you get a wife who can handle wisely what you bring home. You'll be, do you know what happens to windfalls? The wind sort of catches it. <laughs> the vast majority, it's been a while since I read it, but, but within, within a handful of years, it's something like 75%, 65, 70% of NBA players are bankrupt. And the NFL is just about as bad. Bankrupt. I'm talking about men who make millions. That's statistics. That this number bankrupt they're 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 claiming bankruptcy they make millions why because they were 19 20 21 22 23 year olds and you know what they could they could throw football and they could you know uh tackle and they could hit a free a free throw but but they couldn't balance a checkbook and they and they millions go through their hands and then they're bankrupt and uh so you, you get your, uh, boys, you get your wife that uh, is, is careful with money. Girls, you be careful with money. Let me tell you something else, girls. Be careful with your testimony. Be careful with your testimony. I said this uh, here or in chapel, I can't remember. But don't, don't put something on the Internet that, that you know, one, one day your, your, your 15-year-old daughter is going to come back and say, Mom, did you do that? Is that really you? Don't, don't. Be careful. <laughs> be careful with your testimony. Uh, ladies, can you handle your husband's influence wisely? Can you handle his testimony? Can you handle his good name wisely? Many a good man has been limited in his influence because of a silly wife, a discontent wife, or a wife without discretion. Let me tell you something else. Be careful with his ego. Hey, ladies, let me give you a little hint. And girls, listen up. This is going to help you. Inside every man, I don't care how big and brawny he is. Man, he could be as, as massive as Pastor is. And uh, anyway... He could be as broad-shouldered and barrel-chested as... Never mind. Anyway, but can I tell you, inside of every one of those big men is a little boy who still wants to show off. Who still wants to be cheered. And girls, this will help you now. Let me help you. Let me help all you ladies. Let me help you. Boys don't need coaches. They need cheerleaders. Now, girls, listen, I'm pastor's going to help you right now. You might be the prettiest little thing that ever walked the face of the earth. But boys, they're not going to tell you this. That's why I'm telling you. But if you're bossy, 
and you tell them what to do, they're not going to like it. But if you say, that was awesome, they're going to like that. Wow. That was awesome. That was good. But if you tell them what to do, you ought to do this. You should do this. That's, you say, why is that? That's what that's, God made them that way. Do you know men need help? God said so. Men need help. They need Men need help. <laughs> Some of you ladies, you might start wiping your hankies here in a minute. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Men need help. The Bible said so. God made Adam a helper. He needed a helper. M-E-E-T, those are two words in the Bible, help meet. Helper, that's meet, means suited for, fitted for him. Amen. Men and women go together good. That's, that's the way God made it to be. Amen. And every man needs a cheerleader. He doesn't need a, a, a second mom. And he doesn't need a, an extra coach. He needs, he needs a cheerleader. Amen. So be, be, what I mean by that is, girls, be careful with his ego. Be careful with his ego. Now, now you, again, I have, to, I have to give disclaimers here. You fruitcake fellas, you, 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 you're worse than... Be careful. With your bipolar personalities, you're up one day and you're down the next. I'm not talking to you. You say, how do you treat a man like that? Run from him. That's what you do. <laughs> you guys that are emotionally needy, oh, for crying out loud. Stop it. Stop it. But I'm, I'm, talking, about, I'm talking about men, you know. I'm talking about males. Uh, men. <laughs> yeah, you have to sort of define it today, don't you? Anyway. All right, so, so be, be careful. Be a careful wife. Be careful with, it, with his ego. And ladies, you know, you married ladies, that's, that's still good advice for you. Be careful with his ego. And uh, anyway, verse 15, slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep. And an idle soul shall suffer hunger, endure hunger. He's going to go hungry. You know what? Here it is. Laziness makes you tired. <laughs> Laziness makes you tired. Uh, so, so we got a, uh, we went and split a plate. At, we got our first Mexican since the fast ended. Oh, it was glorious. Anyway, but we split a plate at San Felipe today, after chapel, and uh, and here's a man. He's probably I don't know. He's probably I would say probably 25 years old uh, in the restaurant in his pajamas. What are you doing? Have you no more respect for yourself? And if you don't respect yourself, respect me. I don't want to see you in your pajamas. You're, you're a child of God. You're God's creation. And every man has dignity. And you ought to treat yourself with dignity. And going out with bedhead and going with pajamas. And, but let me tell you something. You drive down the streets of this city and you see some adult man at 11 o'clock in the morning in his PJs. You know why he's so tired? Because he's sorry. That's why. Or because he worked all night third shift. One of the two. <laughs> I don't know which one. Let's just judge him. You want to. Uh, but unless you worked all night. <laughs> uh, but laziness makes you tired. So we got off an of exit in Ohio, in Akron, Ohio. Uh, when I went, we went to see my, our granddaughter a couple months ago. And she was born. 
And I got off an exit off of what interstate, whatever, in Akron, Ohio. And there's a guy standing at the top of the ramp by the stoplight. And he had a cardboard sign. It said, need weed. <laughs> That's all it said. And I ain't kidding. Need weed. So I gave him something. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have any on me. Uh, <laughs> That, that, where are we? Where, where are What has happened to us as a society? Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Let me tell you something. God says, sweat for it. Sweat for it. Let me tell you boys, listen. Listen, you, li you listen to me, boys. If Coach Jarrett puts you in the basketball game for 30 seconds, you ought to come out sweating. If we're up by 115 and he puts you in for the last 30 seconds of the ball game, you should be sweating when you hit the bench. Amen? Yeah. Whatever you do, do it with all your mind. Work with your hands. First Thessalonians 4.11. Work with your hands. The Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. If any would not work, neither should he eat. First Timothy 5.8. If any man, if any provide not for his own house, and especially for those for his own, and especially for those of his own house, his household, he hath denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel. He's worse than, worse than a heathen. You are, you are worse than a heathen if you don't provide for the people under your roof. The hardest thing about running a business is finding people who really want to work. I cannot tell you how many times employers have told me that over the years. The hardest thing about having a business is people, all kinds of people want a paycheck. No shortage of people that have a paycheck, but people want to work. And let me just say this. Let me say, if boys and girls, both of you, if you develop a work ethic, if you'll develop a work ethic, you will always have an opportunity. Always have an opportunity. No one will take your job. If you have a work ethic, you will always have an opportunity. Parents, if you love your children, you've got to let them struggle. You have to let them work, teach them how to work. You've got to, mama, Daddy, too, you've got to stop doing for them what they ought to be doing for themselves. I love what Dr. Vogel says. The one doing the doing is doing the learning. Amen? And so they ought to, they ought to know how to do that. Uh, show them that work is more reward, rewarding than play. Show them that work is not a curse but a blessing. Show them the satisfaction of a job well done. I'm going to show you this in Scripture. You're in Proverbs. Turn to Ecclesiastes, next book over, and look at chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I would like, I would encourage you to, I draw maps in my Bible by topic. And uh, some years ago, I drew this map in my Bible. When I find repeated truths in, a, in the Bible, I like to connect them. And so you might want to do the same. But this is just what I do. If I find uh, a subject I want to track through the Bible at the end of the verse, when the, at the conclusion of that verse, I'll write the reference to the next one. And they just put a little arrow beside it, a little arrow to the right. And that tells me to go to that verse, and then go to that one. And when I get to the last one that I can find, I put it back to the original one, and I can follow a subject. And that's what I did here in my Bible. I'll just show you my little map here. Ecclesiastes 2.24. Watch this. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul Enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Do you see what you, you see what happens this when this man works hard? 
the Bible said it makes his soul enjoy. It makes his soul enjoy. One of the sad things about a person who doesn't work, they, they get to where they can't enjoy anything. There's only so many you know, video games you can play, uh, you know, only so many positions on the couch, the, you know, armchair, whatever. And there's no satisfaction in that. But the guy who works, he is, his soul enjoys things. His soul enjoys things. And we've got to be careful. Let me just say this to the whole church family. We've got to be careful about entertaining our families to death. You know, a kid ought to be able to say, hey, you got 45 minutes till supper. Take a romp in the woods. But sadly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be ugly here. I don't have anybody in mind. But sadly, a lot of kids, they couldn't get across the yard. But, <gasps> I'm not trying to belittle. I'm just, it's true. It's not true. And it's true. It's because we've been on that couch too much. And, and you give them sticks that go out in the woods. And they say, and do what? Play. With what? The stick? <laughs> I mean... Now, how many of you say, man, man, how many of you say, man, I could romp all day in the woods as a kid, right? Yeah, we didn't have so much beep, 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 da, 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 all that stuff. We didn't have all that. And, uh, and kids played, and they play as healthy, amen? Play as preparation for life. What'd you do? What'd you do as a kid? You built something. It was life preparation. And play ought to be life preparation, amen? Every little boy ought to have him a, have, ought to have him a little play lawnmower, amen? And when he turns about nine or ten, he should have a motor on it and a blade, amen? <laughs> And Mama go in the house and let Dad do his thing, Amen. And uh, anyway, uh, don't overprotect him. Don't be mad at me. What I'm getting ready to say. Please don't be upset with me. And if you feel differently, kids, you do what your parents want you to do. The Shook family never owned the single helmet in our whole life. <laughs> it didn't affect me. <laughs> Now, I know there's some common sense here. That has to be, I, I get that. I understand that. But you know what? Playground equipment wasn't federalized. What a sad day it was when they took down the tornado slide. Because some kid in Oregon, you know, <laughs> cut his knee on a rusty screw. And so all of America has to forego the tornado slide now. Because you could get hurt. What in the world was I teaching on? <laughs> oh, let's see. Oh, my map. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, so after verse 24 there, write 313 in a little arrow. Because we're going to chapter 3 and verse 13. Which is right across the page probably. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 13. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Now, what, what the Bible is describing here is what sometimes we use 
the word pride in this sense. It's a, it's a healthy pride. I'm, I'm proud of my work. I did what I was supposed to do. I, I, I fixed something. I built something. I completed the job. I reorganized the garage, the shelf. I got the dishes put away. Whatever it was, I did. I, I sat back and, and it felt good. That's what God's describing. Amen. And he said, for a man, there's nothing better for a man. There's nothing better for a man than to go accomplish something with his own hands. So then after that verse, uh, right, 322 in a little era, because we're going to chapter 3 and verse 22. And that's right here at the end, of course, of this chapter. Look at that one next with me. Chapter 3, verse 22. Wherefore, I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works. For that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Folks, listen. The only way the Antichrist spirit where people have to have to be governed and have to have somebody over them to tell them how to think and don't use fluoride toothpaste and, and uh, make sure you don't eat. You know, a, a, a government telling them everything to do. We're coming to where the whole world's going to, the Bible tells us this already. But in order to get people where they're that dependent, you you gotta you gotta dumb down work. You gotta you gotta minimize work. You gotta reward sorriness, right. and you gotta punish productivity. It's it's just part of the antichrist spirit. But old people got a lot of money. They should pay their fair share. That is unbiblical. <laughs> Read Matthew twenty. Read the stories of the talents. They're in there several times. God said, take from the man who has one talent and give his one talent to the man that has ten. And our welfare system says the opposite. It's unbiblical. We said, a man's a product of his environment. When I was in the 90s, when I was in Chicago, they are going to school and working up in there. They had the Robert Taylor Homes, 14 stories high, right off the Dan Ryan Expressway. And about, about a mile beyond that, the Caprini Green. Literally, they were war zones, and literally the gangs shot at each other between the buildings. And we'd go in there, just uh, uh, not, not every week, but us men would go in there. We didn't take the ladies over there. But we'd go in there on special days and have, and, and, and I'd always wore my white shirt and time, took my big Bible with me when I went in there. Amen, I did. I took my New Testament, my bus trap, I took my big Bible, family sized Bible. And, uh, and, uh, and there's drug paraphernalia in the stairwells and, and, and things like that. But you know where, where the, all that came from? Yeah, all that came from the, uh, the idea that man is inherently good if we just encourage the good in him. And, uh, and, and give them in a good environment. Man, man struggles because he's in a bad environment. And so we built, we, 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 our nation spent how, how much money on building these high-rises and building this housing, the government put houses out there. Listen, this is not critical. I, I, I go there every week of my world. Some of you sitting in this room live there, and that's not something to be ashamed of. But we, we bought this philosophy that says man is what he is because of his environment. And God says, no, a man is what he is because of the condition of his heart. 
and you could change a man's environment, but it won't change his heart. And all that money we spent, we know what they've become. It's no big secret, and it's not critical. It's just a fact. That's where the drugs are. It's just a fact. That's where a lot of the shacking up is. You ask these police officers that are here. It's true. That's not being critical. It's a fact. And I remember going back some 20 years later, something going up to Dan Ryan, and they had that big equipment out there, and they were tearing all those Robert Taylor homes down. You know why? It didn't work. Listen, the answer to man's problems is not the house he lives in. It's the condition of his heart. They need the gospel. Amen. You need biblical principles. And as long as we as a nation continue to, to, continue to uh, a reward product. I'll tell you something else has happened. We reward illicit behavior. You don't believe me? You ask... You don't believe me, you, you, you asked some of the folks in our church that, that work with children. I'll just say it that way. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. And I'm not trying to categorize big groups of people. But it is a fact that you can we have rewarded illegitimacy. We have rewarded illicit behavior. And it hasn't worked and it's not working. Now, young man, listen. You have some pride. I'm talking about the right kind of pride. I'm talking about the kind of pride we're talking about right here. And you say, I'm going to work with my hands. I am going to make my living. I'm going to pay my way. And you learn to live on a little less if you have to. How many of you here? Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> How many of you here? Uh, um, uh, I hope y'all don't mind this. Seventy and older, would you raise your hand? Seventy and older, would you raise your hand? Could I ask you a question? When did you get your first new car? Do you mind me asking, ma'am? When did you get your Miss Carol? It was a long time. Who, who else over here, Patsy? In your fifties, okay. Who else? Uh, Dave? All right, 20s. First new car. Yes, Becky? 20s. First new car. Uh, yes, sir. Never. Mark? 20s. Never. 50. Anybody else want to participate? Uh, so... <laughs> Judd's pointing at his brother. He's not quite 70 yet. He's getting close. Uh, but his point is, is that, that, that you have a lot of stuff your parents and grandparents didn't have at your age. That's my point. A lot of things. And so you just make up your mind you're going to work. Amen. Let me finish my little map here. We'll quit on this one, all right? After verse 22, write 518. 518 and 19, actually. 518 and 19. And make your little error there, and then we'll jump over there, and uh, we'll read this last one. <clears throat> These two verses, Ecclesiastes five eighteen and nineteen. Behold that which I have seen; it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor, that he hath taken under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth them, for it is his portion. Hey, fellas, 
That's God gave you that. That's yours. Claim it. Amen. It's yours to work and produce and feel the good feeling of laboring. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. And go ahead and put 224 in an arrow and that will take you back to the beginning when you want to read through those again. The hardest thing about running a business, as I said, is finding people who want to work. Laziness is sin. Time wasted is time we'll give an account for at the judgment seat of Christ. Men, young men, all of us take pride in your work, take pride in a job well done. By the way, by the way, you school kids, listen, I'm, I'm done. You know what your work is right now? Your work is your English work. Your work is your math work. Your work is your history work. So quit whining and complaining about it and take pride and do a good job on your project. Take pride in your assignments. Take pride in who you are as a person. Take pride in your appearance. I showed some, I showed some things to our kids in, in chapel today. And I told him, I said, you're going to laugh, but I don't want you to laugh because the longer you look at it, the sadder it gets. And, and there was just disfigured people in other countries. Dark, and I say dark, I mean dark as in not a lot of gospel light there. And uh, rings in their necks and all kinds of things in their noses all over their face. And some of them had gauges literally the size of a, a coffee saucer in their bottom lip like this. And just... and. Um, Listen, you, listen, and when you become a Christian, listen to me very carefully. When you become a Christian, your attitude ought to change. Not the way the world's. The world, listen, this self-esteem, self-help books, that's a bunch of philosophical garbage. Die to self, love someone else, and you'll feel great about yourself. There's no joy like living for other people. But as you begin to understand who you are in Christ, you ought to begin to treat your body with dignity. You should not mistreat your body. Now, I know this is so convicting. You know, eating habits has a lot to do with this. We should not mistreat our bodies. But the Bible is very clear in Leviticus. You don't put any marks on your bodies. And lots of people in this room... You got saved out of those kinds of things, the things you've done. I know you can't just snap a finger and just go. And nobody in this room, by the way, is going to judge anybody in this room because of things that have happened back there. Otherwise, we'd all have to leave and never come back. So we love each other unconditionally. We get that. But I'm talking about some of you who are entertaining. God help you if you're entertaining those things. Stop, stop. Look, let me help you. Here's where some of you are. You're on a little journey. How far can I go before someone says something to me? Okay, i got a question for you. When someone finally says something to you, what's your reaction going to be? Well, I... As you grow in the Lord, you begin to realize my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I want to treat it with respect and with dignity. I remember Miss Patsy coming years ago. Is that okay, Pastor? She's like, you already did, Pastor. And I remember she came to me, and she taught Sunday school. And she said, Pastor, she said, I feel so bad I get to teach Sunday school. And she said, you know, I got this tattoo. And every time I try to talk to the girls about how they all live, and she said, I just... She said, I know God's 
forgave me of all that, and that's not me anymore. And you know what she did? She went and, I don't know how to do it, but she got it covered up somehow. What do you do? And that's something she was willing to do that. I don't tell you you have to do that. I mean, it might be a good idea, especially if you are influencing little children and so forth like that. You might want to go that extra mile. But I just, I think she deserves a hand. A, a hand, Amy. I think that's great. I'm just saying something changed about her mindset when she began to grow in the Lord. And so I want to challenge all of us that way. Well, I would, I like to keep going, but it's time to stop.